0: Let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Boyce Adams. Thank you. Uh, good to be here, guys. Uh, I want to recognize Dr. Oswald from the business school back there. Dean of the business school. Let's give her a round of applause back <laughs> back there from the development office in the business school. Uh, I'm going to do a uh, PowerPoint and kind of walk through the history of our company and how we got started. I think I talked to some of y'all earlier at lunch, and it was a good good talk. But during the course of my talk, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and I'm going to allow five answers. Either if somebody raises their hand quickly, I'll call on you, or I'll pick somebody. I like picking on people in the back, ones that are slid in the back there. But if you, the, the one that answers closest to the answer, we've got four $50 gift cards, okay? These piece of gift we So that's, that's, what we're, that's what's up for grabs today. Uh, how many of y'all are engineering students? Keep your hand up if you're chemical.
1: Raise your hand uh,
0: if you're electrical. Okay. What, any other engineering discipline, I guess? Now what about anybody in the business school? Anything else? Uh, education, I guess? Architecture? Okay, good. Well, it's good, good to have you all here. I think I'm going to have something that all of you all could, could uh, relate to. As far as what we do, our company is, the name of it is Banktel. We are in our 24th year, and we are a company that sells financial accounting software to banks. That's all we do. We started 24 years ago with one bank, and now we, we probably number in excess of 1,400 banking clients. We're in all 50 states, uh, Puerto Rico, the pretty heavy in the Caribbean, and when we sell a bank in the Caribbean, we have a kind of a drawing as to who gets to go down and install it. So it's a pretty competitive thing in our company. We also have some clients in South America, and we've started getting into South America. So. Uh, it, it wasn't always easy. We started with one bank and, and we now are at 1,400, but it took a long time to get there and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we did that.
1: You notice our map,
0: our client base, obviously we're heavy in the southeast, northeast, out west. You know, California we have a lot of clients. Midwest we're kind of lean because of the population, but uh, we've got them up in the mid-Great uh, Lake states. We're pretty heavy with clients, so we've, we've got them spread out pretty much all over the And if you look at the uh, the product mix, we've got basically about 12 different products that we offer. And they're all interchangeable products. Now, do we have any computer, anybody studying computer science programming? Okay, five or six. We develop in, uh, y'all are developing in .NET and and SQL, y'all are with SQL, SQL Server. We develop in .NET. uh, It's all browser-based. We have some hosted solutions. Cloud. We also have some products that run behind a, a firewall on an internal server. So and basically, just so y'all know that the product mix, we have a, a group of, of browser-based products up here. Most of these products are designed to automate. Okay, eliminate paper, eliminate paper checks, pay electronically. Eliminate expense reports, do everything electronically. So we're basically in the automation business. In the last seven years, we've been able to state a pretty good growth rate. Y'all are familiar? You remember the financial crisis, right? It was pretty bad. It's still a tough environment for banks to operate. Even during the financial crisis, we were able to keep our growth rate up. Mainly because the companies had to do more with less, right? They had less personnel, they wanted to cut costs what's the best way to cut costs is to eliminate inefficient funds. And handling a lot of paper is very inefficient. So our products are designed to automate all the paper flow, workflow of the products. Okay? Now, just to give you a little idea, y'all familiar with T.E. Lotton Company? It's an accounting firm. They're out of of Columbus and Tuscaloosa, and and they have an office in Star. Okay? We basically grew out of that accounting firm. In 1992, we had one bank. We started there, and just to show you the progression. When it, does anybody have their own little business on the side that they do? Anybody? Okay, you know it can be tough starting a business. It's not easy. And if you look at this chart, this just goes through our revenue model. We're going to be approaching 20 million in revenue here in a couple of years. But look back here in the early days. I mean, it's called starvation. For about 10 or 12 years. It took me, it took 12 years to get some traction. And that's the tough thing when you're starting a business. You've got to look at your financial projections. You've got to, most people overestimate what it's going to, how, how quickly I can sell the product. That's the number one mistake I see people make. So when you do a business plan and you say, well, here's my first year of sales projection, year two, year three, you need to take that and cut it in half come back and cut that in half. You need to cut it down to the bottom. Because your overhead is going to be the same, right? Your expenses are going to be the same. And if you happen to, to have a good year, then you're going to be a, you're going to pat yourself on the back and say, we, we beat my expectations. Right? So that's the biggest thing I'll say. And this was a very tough time these first 12 years. Now you notice, once you get traction, you're executing your strategy properly, you're going to grow. And obviously, you want your revenue here. Your revenue number needs to be above your expense number, right? You're trying to make money. So that's the plan. So that's kind of what a history of our company and and the way we grew it. We just stayed in there during a tough time. Now, the other thing about a software company is, y'all heard of the term reoccurring revenue? You know what that is? That's when your clients are going to pay you every year for the use of the software right? You make an initial sale, they pay you an upfront fee, right? Then from then on, as long as they use that software, they pay you every year. And you support it. You give them updates, right, to the software. So if you notice uh, the early days, we had very little maintenance revenue coming in. You see your maintenance? And starts kicking in the light blue. Now you see that? There was zero there. You know what that, y'all are y'all too young to remember. Do you remember the year 2000? Y2K, y'all remember that? Everybody thought all software systems were going to stop working. At that point, we probably had about 700 clients. So we were all freaked out. We thought it was going to stop. But we didn't know, right? Well, luckily, it didn't. nothing happened. It was, it was smooth. So we had, actually had to reinvest a lot, sending out updates. So we basically had no maintenance revenue that year. But you notice how it grows in, in the software space. That's really what you're looking at. Right now, the the, software, the reoccurring revenue covers about 65% of our overhead, and, and so we could shut, we could stop selling today, and we would run for the next five years off our reoccurring revenue. Now, obviously, you're going to lose customers a little bit, you have some attrition, right, in the marketplace, whether a bank gets acquired or they shut down or whatever. So you can't stop selling, but we could afford to stop selling for a couple of years. So if anybody's looking to ever do a software-related business, reoccurring revenue is what you're looking for, okay? Now, the other thing about, and this could, this could apply to any business, this, this really goes through the whole way through 2012. This is the number of, of support calls we get a month, uh, actually by the year. In 2012, we had 18,223. Last year, we had 23,000 support calls. That equates to about between 100 and 200 a day, meaning we have a customer calling us saying, I need help on something, right? So we put a lot of resources into the support side. And in the last, uh, I think, five, four and a half years, we've hired about a dozen young people, graduates from the business school. We've, bought, we've hired some from computer science, I think, that. Uh, uh, the education so we hired a lot of, of, of uh, we've got a couple of MBAs, we've got an international business major, we've got a lot, several MIS majors, and those are the ones that we're using to handle our, our technical support with our clients. So you notice as our business grew, our support costs grew. So you, you've got to think of that in terms of, as you grow your business, your overheads going to continue to go up trick is to be able to keep your overhead your, your revenue going up a little higher than your overhead that's where you're going to squeeze out those profits right but you're in the you're in the business to make money and anyway the, the way we built our business was were, were through resellers some of the industry bigger industry companies that we found the need they needed our products so we would get them to go sell it to their banks and we would give them a piece of it that's the way we built the business. Instead of us having 20 salespeople, we just built it through reseller relationships. And the beauty of a reseller relationship is, number one, you've got to prove yourself. Because they're actually representing us to their clients. Right? And, and things can backfire. If we do a bad job, we're going to get a bad reputation. So we've got to do a very good job and protect those relationships. So that's basically how we built our business model. And this is a this is a company, Comenos, that just came into the U.S. They're from Sweden, and uh, they're in 65 countries. They decided to come into the U.S. They wanted to get into the banking market. They opened an office in New York, and uh, they wanted our product to resell with their other products to their banking clients. So those, those are some new things that have happened in the last year that are going to br- hopefully bring us some more business. And, and these companies I just showed you, you know, this one up here called FIS, and Jack Henry, you know, a lot of the banks around here use one of these vendors for their for their big banking system. And that's what we look into. We've, we've got relationships with all their different systems. For example, FIS right here is the number one they've got a FinTech 100, these are worldwide the companies that support financial institutions worldwide. FIS is the number one in the world. And that's one of our major resellers. Uh, you've got Jack Henry is 18th in the world. Mises is 19th. Harland is 44th. Computer Services is 60th in the world. So those are the vendors that we have chosen to get in business with. And that's, that's just the decision you'll have to make of how you're going to market your product. And there are resellers in every industry that, that you know, you've got to decide do we want to go through resellers or do we want to sell it ourselves? If you sell it yourself, you're getting a bigger chunk, right? If you sell it to a reseller, you're giving them a chunk of it but you're probably getting more of the reoccurring revenue is what you want, yearly revenue. That's what we decided to do. Now, I've got the first question, the first quiz. This is, this is uh, not an easy quiz. The American quizzes are. Not, this is a hard quiz. Now, when we started the business in 1992, I'm going to get five answers. How many banks do you think there were in the U.S. in 1992? Okay, if nobody raises their hand, I'm going to pick somebody. You. Two million. Two million. You hear that? Uh, two hundred thousand. That's a big swing. Two million, two hundred thousand. Back here in the back. One thousand. One thousand. <laughs> okay, y'all remember, I'm going to lose track of this. Two million, two hundred thousand, one thousand. 120,000. One, hundred one, one more. Right here. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Okay, we go from two million to fifteen thousand. Who had a thousand? Somebody said a thousand. Okay. So you went from fifteen uh, uh, two million to, to a thousand. In ni- in nineteen ninety-two there were eighteen thousand five hundred banks. Now who, didn't somebody say fifteen thousand? Isn't that it? Y'all agree? Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> how many financial institutions there were in the U.S. in 1992, okay? I'm going to do another quiz real quick. It's it's the back end of this person. Y'all, we talked about the financial crisis, right? Y'all know banks have been, the government's been shutting down banks and making them sell, right? It's a tough environment in banking. As of today, now this may not be exact, but how many banks do you think there are in the U.S. today? Now, the same people can't answer. <laughs> okay, we got 3,000. Uh, 7, okay, 7,500 up there. 9,000? 35,000. How many? 35,000. 35, 35,000? 22,000. Today, there are less than 6,200. <clears throat> 6,200. Now, who was, who, who was close to that? Three?
1: How many? Who had 75?
0: You had 75? Give them a round of the applause. <clears throat> y'all think about that. The industry has gone through a really huge turmoil. From 18,500 to less than 6,200 in, in what 22 years. So if, if you're if, if you're selling into that marketplace, you're thinking, "Wow, this is getting this is shrinking, right?" So it's, it's a pretty tough environment. The only positive thing to that is that the assets, the sizes of the total deposits in the banking sector has continued to go up. The banks have just gotten bigger. For example, Cadence Bank. You know, Cadence. Is Now they have gone through restructuring, they've acquired a couple of banks. They're they're close to, I think, seven or eight billion in assets. We measure banks by asset size. They have an asset size. They're about seven, eight billion. They're they're considered a regional bank. Bank South is fifteen billion. They're considered a super regional. Okay, so the banks are getting bigger. They have to because the government is <coughs> getting, it's making it very expensive to operate, but they've got auditors in there, they're all ever have to go make a loan from a bank if you'll you see what kind of paperwork you have to go through. The government's making it very difficult on a community bank to operate. Okay, but we've been able to handle it because we do automation, right? They need us to come in and, and save them money, right, in their operations. So that's why we've been able to survive and grow. Now, these are just some of the, the folks we've hired from Mississippi State over the last couple of years. And uh, like you say, we got Finance. Uh, i tell you a funny story about Katie, the girl up here that's an international business. Uh, two years ago, we sold a, a big bank in Puerto Rico. So we, we, they were down there selling them. And the, the management is English-Spanish speaking, right? But the users are Spanish only. So katie has got an international business with VA is Spanish. So, when we sell a big bank like that toward the end of the year, they normally they say we would like to be up and running January one. We want to be live, which means the week after Christmas we got to go through convert all their data. We got to get we got to travel on New Year's Day, and show up on the second, ready with everything converted. We got to be ready to train. So uh, our VP of marketing and Katie went down, left New Year's Day. They had everything ready for them. They show up. I get this video, email video, Katie's up there in the classroom, kind of like this, maybe this size, you know, a 20-person training room. She's teaching the class in Spanish because they, you know, she's trying to train them. So I told Katie, "That's you got to use your degree. You got to be on, I, I sent her for that reason because she could train them in Spanish. It's a cool story. They had a blast down there. Uh, and anyway, just talking about a little bit more about technology. Uh, these are everything, we all the, all the third-party products we use to support our company are cloud-based. You know, everything here, whether it's Rackspace or Salesforce or all the things we use, uh, the phone system is, is on the web, everything we do is online. And, and so we don't really have any internal software. We operate, I can pull out my Microsoft Surface and, and run the business off of it. And that's the way you got to think about business. You've got to be nimble. You've got to be easy access of your information. You know, I could be on my couch, on my surface, and pay some bills or run a financial study. So that's really what you, what you got to look at for, for the future. Now, we're going to get into another subject. This is a, you've heard the bank tell story, you know, we're chugging along pretty good. It's, 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 everything's going fairly well. A couple of years ago, I started thinking about a new business to get into. We got 18,500 banks down to 6,200. The market's shrinking. What do we do? I want to grow the business bigger. And so over the years, we've had customers ask us, "Hey, can I take this? Can I use this accounts payable? Can I pay bills for my small business customers? Can I use the expense report piece for my small business customers?" And so I started thinking. Banks, have, you know, one common denominator of all small businesses, right? They got to have a bank. Why shouldn't the banks be serving small business better? Why should they offer a, a, a QuickBooks like five to run your small business versus QuickBooks? Right? Give the banks something to compete. Now, I did some research in the small business. A small business is defined as any, a, a number of employees, less than 500 employees. That is it defined as a small business. Now, I've got a question. We're going to have a third question. And this is going to be pretty hard. How many small businesses in this country do you think there are under 500 employees? Uh, 2,000. In the back. How many? 10,000? Okay, 50,000. Let's move over here. Right there. 200,000. 200,000. Right there. Okay, the 250 is a high number. (laughs) Is that right? That's five, right? Now this may blow your mind. There are 26 and a half million small businesses under employees. 26 and a half million. And what do they have in common? What? What do they have in common? They all got to have a bank account. We're at a bank. So my thought was, is there a way we can get through the bank? And offer this product to all their small business customers. Okay? Now, you know, who got you got that, right?
1: Oh,
0: sorry. Now, I want to ask this question because this is another one that's kind of interesting. We got twenty-six and a half million small businesses, under five hundred employees. Now, how many businesses do you think there are in the US above this is going to be hard too. Now, you, you were quick. How many? 7,000. 40
1: million.
0: 40 billion. Up there in the corner. How many? One so we got it. Okay. In the back was the half. So. Uh, 500. 500? 3,000. Y'all have to help me with this. There are 18,500 companies over 500. And you're thinking about the X signs and, you know, the big signs, right? Not a lot. 18,500. So where do you think? Who got that? Who who got that? 7,000? Was anybody closer? Is that it? Pass that up. Uh, Congratulations. 6.5 million are small mom and pop operations, but there's a, lot, a great number that are my company size, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 employees that are the backbone of the economy. So the whole concept, I'll lose my turn here. The whole concept is to, to figure a way to tap into those small businesses. How would you do it? Would you, would you go market to them directly? if You try to find a common denominator. I think the banking market is the common denominator, right? Okay, so what we did, we developed, we've been working on this three years. We developed what we call the Biz. And that's a trade, we got the trademark, we got it last week. It's called the Biz. We had a contest with all our employees to come up with a name. The Biz means small business because your bank has a Biz. Kind of catchy, right? Maybe it'll be on the Super Bowl ad one year, right? The Biz. Well, what we did, we've developed a complete cloud-based small business accounting package from the ground up. Better than QuickBooks. It's built to run on your tablet. Uh, everything's built for the tablet. It'll run on the workstation, but it's built for tablet. It's built with responsive design. Meaning, it'll shrink as it needs to. If you roll it on your on your phone, it'll shrink down. You don't have to have a mobile app. Okay. So what we did. We built this product with a lot, with some of our banking clients to help us. And now we're in the process of sticking our toe in the market. We're starting to market it out to a limited group of banks. the first quarter of next year, we're going to go full steam. We've had great response, and we're a little ahead of the we're a little ahead of the market. We've got a system put together nobody else in the industry really has yet. They will get, they will come eventually. So. Now here's an interesting, I wanted to show y'all this, but this is an interesting study. <laughs> this study, it ranked uh, a small business as 250 employees or less, and the neat thing about this, it went, this is worldwide, there are over 125 million small businesses around the world. There's like 15,800 being created every day. It's, it's amazing. Now. Eight, the, the, the main thing is 83% of those are considered micro-businesses, meaning less than five employees. Okay, so there's a huge market. In North America, including Mexico and Canada, there's 36, over, close to 37 million small businesses. Latin America is pretty, you know, red or where the high concentration of small businesses. Sub, even in sub-Saharan Africa has got 13 million. That's going to be one of the next growth places in Sub-Saharan Africa. And you get into Europe and Central Asia, six and a half million, you know, uh, Southeast Asia, East Asia, and the Pacific, almost 40 million. So our plan, the way we develop this product, is is plumb for multi-currency and multi But our plan is, if we can get this thing successful in North America, then we're going to take it internationally. And that's where you get into a real growth Okay, so that's our plan. We think there's a market for this worldwide. It's just we've got to take it slow and make it successful in, in this country first. So that's our that's the overall plan of what we're trying to do. Now, one thing I want to mention, one of the market advantages we have is we've got all these banking clients, these relationships we could go to with this new product and say, hey, we've got another product. They already trust us, right? Yeah, boys, bring it in. Let's look at it. So we've got an advantage that a lot of vendors a new, uh, that a new product wouldn't have. Y'all agree with that? You know, if they like us, well, let's see what, what what the new product is. So it just shows you our client base. We're at 1,400 banks. We're adding probably 150 new ones a year. We will to ramp up our marketing. We think we can, they say in the next five years, there'll be less than 5,000 banks left. We think we can be in half of them, 2,500 going to be a pretty good penetration for any product when you're in 50% of your market. We think That's we're really going to get there with Banktel. We're going to use that as a stepping stone to sell this new small business accounting product right, to our banking clients. Right. So we, we think we've got a good concept on the marketing side. Banktel, we're starting to ramp up our marketing efforts to try to drive more business, more business, and then we'll, we'll, it'll be another entry for the biz. Now, what it, you start talking about what what this product will do for the bank, right? It's got to do something for the bank. It's not it's something they're going to offer. They've, they've got to be a benefit for the, for the bank client. Offer this. Obviously, it's going to help them serve small business better. It's going to help them be more hot. Um, they're going it's going to let them be more uh, compete a little better. I mean, could you imagine if you if you let's say you inherit your work at your parents' business when you get out and you say, I'm going to take this thing over, they've been doing things manually, you know, they've been doing book ledgers and that type of thing, and your banker walks in with a Surface or an iPad and say, hey, look at this new thing we got, man. And you say, hey, sign me up. It's a way to maybe attract new business. It gives a loan offer or something, you can go out and call on the business and say, look what we're doing. Look what, look what our banks are doing. We're leading the market. And that's exactly what, what it means. Uh, and the other thing is, why well, wouldn't your banker be your more your trusted advisor, especially on finances? Why do you have to go to QuickBooks' website or some other website and do your accounting when your bank's the one that that's should be your advisor? So we think it's a good marketing tool for, for a bank to go out and try to okay And there's a lot of accounting systems out there. I mean, there's a lot of them. Most of these are all just selling out to the small business, doing what everybody else is. A lot of these companies are still losing money, but it's very tough to compete. When, you, when you're competing against QuickBooks, you better strap your chin strap on because it's going to be tough. That's a four billion dollar company, and you don't want to go up. You don't want to go compete with them head up. They'll, they'll they'll sink you. So our plan is to do something a little different than what these all these other companies have done. Is to get a better channel and access to those customers, right? So if your bank sent you a little. Uh, Mm-hmm. newsletter every month say, hey, we got this, we got cut, you know, pay your bills electronically or do your expense reports or invoice your customers electronically. Look at this little video. After a while you may say, well I'm gonna check that out. So we think that consistent marketing message is going to help. Okay. And and the other thing if you look at this is a map of our clients, that the current clients we that's probably a year old. I mean, if you look out in L.A. And, and, you know, we've got 15 banks within 20 banks in San Diego, Phoenix, if you look out here, Sacramento, look at Las Vegas, we've got 8 or 10 out there in Las Vegas. What would happen if I went to Las Vegas and, and met with my bank clients and said, and, and said, we got this new product, we're rolling this out, the first one that signs on, what are the other ones going to do? Right? You, you want your competitor? We offer this product, what are you going to pay? So we think it can become a, a competitive advantage. We think we can go into a market like Las Vegas or, or Los Angeles or Oakland and spend some marketing dollars and get four or five or six of them signed up at once. So there's all these different ideas. This is getting more into the, the, the guerrilla marketing of how do you actually move this product out into the marketplace. I mean, look at, it, look at the Southeast, look at Atlanta. I mean, we've just got a Memphis. I mean, every major metropolitan city, Dallas, we have 15 banks. Houston, we got 20 banks within a 30 minute radius. So you start talking about a true marketing effort, uh, you know, we think we've got the answer to it. You know, Florida, we've got 60 banks in the state of Florida, D.C., New York, New Jersey, I and mean, we've got them scattered everywhere. Up in the mid of uh, the Great Lakes, we have a lot around Chicago, all up in. Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, St. Louis. So, anyway, to come back to the, the bottom line, if we've got a product that can help not only a, a business, somebody with an accounting system, somebody without, 90% of small businesses don't even have an accounting system. They're doing spreadsheets or they're manually writing checks. So we think there's a market not just – we don't really want to compete head up with QuickBooks. We want to bring those customers on as they get dissatisfied. But we want to bring on the, the business small businesses that don't even have a system. We're going to do them a favor by helping them automate what they're doing. You know, they can hit a button and get a profit loss just by clicking the button. So we think that's a very valuable And one thing about about what the biz can do for a bank is once you get on a product, that, you know y'all heard of the stickiness, you know, if you're using a product at the bank and you like it, I mean, the odds of you leaving that bank are, when y'all get out, you don't have to set up a bank account, you're going to probably need to borrow money, the bank wants a relationship with you, right? And, and every product, all the products that they can give you, it gives them a little stickiness it will keep you from leaving for the... Lower rate of down the street, or just you, you'll stay with your bank. And that's what the banks are looking. They want those sticky products. This is a big time sticky product. You're running your, your business on an accounting system. It is sticky, okay. And the one thing I'll mention the the uh, I mentioned that seventy percent of small businesses still use paper checks. Right? Is anybody here? Does anybody write a check? anymore? Y'all do bill pay? You, what do you write it, for rent or something? That's about it? Do y'all use bill pay at your bank? Or not? Y'all use ATM, probably, a, a debit card more than anything, right? Okay. Uh, small business doesn't print checks. They, it's just the way it is. And Ten years ago, they told us the checks are going to be gone in our country like right? they are in Switzerland. There's no checks. Everybody pays electronically. Well, that didn't happen checks are still being written, and most of it is by small business. So we think there's an opportunity to go in there and use bill pay on these small business checks. Okay? So there's a lot of checks. There's millions and millions and millions of checks being printed. We hit our tool, they can hit the button and say pay, and we'll be done with that So what if we get a nickel of transactions? Right? What, what if the bank gets a nickel of transactions? It adds up. And, you know, that the, the, when you do a paper check, it costs you from a dollar to upwards of $6. Right? You've got the stamp, the envelope, the cost of the check, the time to print it out and sign it and write it, right? So it's, it's very effective. And, and for y'all, who, who's in the development, software development? Who's the, who is the developers here? This is our architecture. I don't, this doesn't mean a lot to me. AOP, aspect-oriented programming. Have y'all heard of that? They pulled a wool over my eyes. They they gave me this, the
1: developers.
0: (laughs) Uh, They said, that's great. I'm going to show that to y'all. But we're designed, we've got a service layer, we've got a business layer, and then the database. So our, our system communicates to the back end through our own API. I've heard of APIs. That's how you program into something that's doing APIs. We communicate with our database through our own API everything's API-driven. It's the latest technology. And that's just an example of, of everything's modular. And remember, the modular side of this, we designed it that way, but it's a lot quicker on the tablet our, 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 our handheld. It's just the smaller you do the modular development, the quicker it's going to run versus one big set of code. So everything's modular. It's got the service layer. And we use web roles and worker roles. Don't know what that means. And then we're we're adding a new feature that's actually a a, it's called a cloud service window from Azure. So you can have multiple web web roles, which means let's say you had a company with you had a a county practice with 30 companies. We can run all those under one database, segregated under that one database. It's a lot faster and it'll save a lot of money as far as. So we've got the latest technology, probably some of the best technology. The latest, the greatest stuff from Windows, Azure, Cloud, and uh, we've got the, we were talking earlier about security. Here's all the stuff about the security uh, security module. You know, threat management, network security, encryption, key management, everything's encrypted, 256 both away. We do penetration testing constantly. with guaranteed availability ninety-nine. 99- Everything's redundant, so there's all these different things that make make this up. So this is where my eyes start to glaze over here when you start looking at this. So I just like it's not like I know what I'm talking about. This great, and so that's really it. I mean, we're we're done with a presentation. So yeah, one thing I'll mention, we. uh, we constantly in need of technology help, especially developers. Uh, we've got an office in Tupelo. We've got an office in Columbus. We've got a, a small group of developers we've hired in Austin, Texas, just because it's hard to find them around here. Uh, and we're, we're going to open up. We, we're doing some internships. We do paid internships every semester. And we were talking earlier about maybe offering a co-op program, especially if somebody who wants to get into development. You know, we, we program in. C-sharp and SQL and .NET, we've got some other technology we use, but I mean, we're looking for possibly some co-op students and certainly some intern students. We use interns to basically test our software. Uh, they could even get into some support. They want to do some customer support, that type of thing. So we've got some opportunities, and we're in Columbus. One office is in Columbus, one in Tupelo, so if anybody's interested, we're more than happy to talk to y'all. I think there's a co-op thing we've yeah, we're gonna set that up. four, and five until I could get a six users and I could put them on a piece of paper triple space. So somebody wants to use give me your user list. You give them two users it's kind of, really? Are you trying to sell me this? So it, it just took time. And, and the first six banks we got were actually customers of TV Lot that were in the area of friendly. So we could get, you know, having that friendly thing, it made it easy. But it's tough. When you're starting. I'll I'll tell you this, there's a, uh, you know, the bell curve on the product, you know, it goes up like this, and in the beginning, you've got, you're looking for the early adopters of this tough, and you've got to find that person that's willing to take a chance, and they love the new, something new, they're not scared of something new, so we're in that stage with this new product, we're looking for the early adopters, Then as that bell curve goes up, you get into the, the major group, and then as it starts tailing off, you've got the late adopters are going to just wait, but we're looking, you know, that's, a, that's the toughest part is finding those early adopters, and you may have to give special deals, whether it's beta system or give them a discount, anything to get them in the order to get them to use the system, but you've got to build up a somewhat of a success rate of six or eight or ten customers, you know what I'm saying, you've proven it, you use them as references, so good question. Matt asks, we read your bio, how did you make the leap from oil and gas to financial institutions? That's a great question. I went broke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Joe, I went broke. We started, I was in the oil and gas business, and we got into programming in the early days of the PC. When they had CPM operating system, we developed a system for oil and gas to use for their land management. And so, I, you know what I did? I looked at the Give me the biggest oil company. It was Exxon. Okay, I'm going to Exxon. I went out there and met with them in Houston. 20 people in the room. Okay, I want you to go meet with our Western division out in uh, El Paso somewhere out in Texas. I met with them. 20 people in the room. We like this voice. How much is it? Guess what I said. million dollars. I just said it's worth a million dollars. million dollars. They said, okay. Get back to you. you know what they did. No, they did They went and did it themselves. They did. I mean, I just was, I didn't know. I mean, it's worth a million dollars. They went and developed their own. I said, Okay, I was pretty devastated. I said, Okay, who's the next biggest oil All the oil. I went to Denver and I got in with a guy in Denver. Six months later, guess what? We signed the contract in 200,000. <coughs> I mean, I came down off my million pretty quick, <laughs> but $200,000 was not bad. Then they hired us, three of us, to work with them and implement this product nationwide. Long story short, after a couple of years, the oil, and y'all don't remember this, but we had a oil bust when o, OPEC and finally got together and, and and cut prices. They squeezed us out and just shut everything down. They quit drilling. The drilling rigs were stacked up. The company... Basically, went broke. I was trying to sell it and save it. I stayed there. I ended up going broke. Okay, and my accountant was Tommy Lott, who was at TU Lott. Company. He helped me. I had I raised some money to start the old thing, and we lost it all. I lost everything. And I was he called me and said, "Boys, I'm, why don't you come up here and we've developed some software. I want you to look at for bank. We've also got a brickyard system we developed, and we also developed a system for cable TV." Does the billing on Showtime and HBO, and does payroll and all that? The brickyard system—you could go back and look at the different clays they used to break this, to bake this batch of bricks—and they did payroll and payroll. Oh, it was a complete account. So they hired me to come in and I'd do a market study on these three different software systems they had. So I spent a couple months, did a market study, I presented it to them, and if you look at their logo, is is. You can see that TEL house cap? Their, their logo was TEL. T-E-Lot. So I came back with a plan and said, okay, I got you three options. We're going to do Brick Tell, Cable Tell, or Bank Tell. That's going to be our three names. And so at that time, how many banks were there in 24 years ago? How many banks? 18,500. I said, that's a pretty good market, right? You know how many brickyards there were in the US and Canada? Mm-hmm. I don't have a prize for y'all, this time, but somebody asked, How many? Mm-hmm. 200. And at that time, y'all don't remember this, but cable TV, there were thousands of these small uh, local cable TV, they were starting to get consolidated. All the big ones were fine enough. So we thought, well, that's probably not a good business to get into. There's not enough. You have to sell a big system to the brickyard. There's not too many, not enough to sell, right? So I thought, heck, we can go sell this to banks. So we started selling. I started walking in the banks locally around here and start selling. So that's how we got started. Okay. Does that give you. I'm sorry, that's a long story. But that's that's kind of how we got started. So the point I'm making is, when if you're, you you're in your own business, I guarantee you this will be it's gonna be hard. It's going to be disappointing. It's going to be, it's going to be tough at times. And you just just like, I went completely broke, and I was sitting there going, what am I going to do? Am I going to go work for somebody and be a sales guy or do something, and that call came in. It changed my life for I me. Mean. And, and one thing I learned from that whole thing was knowing T. Lott, very reputable, he's a great friend of mine today, is know who you're in business with. Know that you're going in business with Good people and revenue people. And that's what made the difference. And we ended up buying them out because they we outgrew what they wanted to do, and they were they made a good profit on it. We took it and grew it on to what it is today. So it's a good it's a good story as how we got started. Okay. This is a great follow-up question from Gareth Bliss. Garrett,
1: yeah. Garrett asked
0: hanging there with me, hanging there, It just, I wasn't going to stop, I mean, it, 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 I wasn't going to stop no matter what, so I, I, you know, it's just, sometimes you just get committed to something, and you, you know, you have to make adjustments along the way, I and mean, you've got to be willing to make adjustments, you can tell if something's not working, but I believed I could eventually get that software off the ground, it just, it took me a lot longer than I thought, so I don't know, just, I wanted to work for myself, and I, I believe that the product was, was good, and Selling his service, and I think a lot of it was just the relationship I developed over time. I mean, I had a guy that he, I, when I raised money the first time, uh, the, the, the one, the last guy we bought out, he made ten times his investment. Pretty good. I had a guy that was going to invest when I was looking to raise the money. He, uh, he, had, he was going to put in like two hundred thousand. Just couldn't pull the trigger. He said, I got some buddies that are doing this saver thing. I want to put it in there. He said, That's fine. I mean, I'll, I'll put the money together. I saw him a couple years ago at a show and he said, Man, I wish I would have invested, with you? I lost all I had with those guys. They were out of business in six months. So you never know. I mean, you just never know how things are going to shake out. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was buying the, the system at the, system, uh, the, the company in 06, I had to raise about a million to. Two. I had about three weeks to raise it, and I was $400,000 short, and this was on a Friday. I had to close the deal by 5 o'clock that Friday. So they were going to put it, it was going to the market, there were some other companies interested in it. See, if they would have bought it, they, I would have been kind of out of the picture some degree. And so I met, I met this guy, I'll never forget this, he was at a Cracker Barrel over in Alabama. He said, Nick, you at the Cracker Barrel. So I went to the Cracker Barrel, and we met... So he pulled out his checkbook and said, look, I'm going to give you 200000 I want 200000 It was a dollar a share. $200,000 a share. I need $200 more. And it's like three hours till five, right? Three o'clock. He said, you sold it all. I said, well, I'm not quite. I'm waiting on a few people.' So said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a blank check. I'm going to sign this check and give you another check. If you need the other 200 just fill it in and let me know. <laughs> He's a friend of mine. No, he, this guy was a, a shrewd guy. He had actually sold the car for a company and made millions. And he he was, he, he believed in what we were doing. He was an early believer. So I got so excited, I was going to buy his lunch, and I walked out without even paying. I was just like, and to this day I don't I can't even remember where the Cracker Barrel was, it was in Birmingham. I said I got to go back there and pay him twenty bucks one day. I just felt so bad. I just I was just. In, this is great. So anyway, uh, so those things, those kind of things happen. I mean, it's very stressful, but everything worked out. And that's the guy that ended up making ten to 1 of his money, and we ended up buying him out. And we had that ex- we had that escalation clause, and we could buy him out each year. He got more and more and more, so we bought him out. In, I think, the fourth year, and he made ten times on his money. And it wasn't bad. But uh, anyway, next question.
1: Yeah. So where's Morgan? Somewhere you're being shy, Um, what were some of the most surprising um, expenses and revenue generators
0: that came completely unexpectedly? Actually, we got a check the other day for $3,800 from the state that uh, some vendor, you know how they have lost and found? Have y'all ever heard of that? The state gets some money out of some account, and they don't know where to go, and it goes into a thing, and we sent our name in, and and we got a check-in one of the had it in some other, I don't know what it was, it was nice, but uh, uh, the expense side is is more, probably a place more to advertising. You know, you can spend a lot of money in advertising, and I've kind of overdone a couple of things in the past, and whether it's uh, producing videos or going to these trade shows and giving away the giveaways. revenue side, really, you know, a, a couple of disappointing things, i developed a couple of products that I thought were going to be good and I, could, I really didn't, didn't sell. Them. You know, it's one of those things we thought it was going to be something big, a couple of banks that us develop it and we get to the market and just people will buy it. So, you know, there's things like that you got to plan for. But uh, the best thing to do is stick We developed a bond interest program. We had a bank that did uh we all heard like a local school does a bond interest or the city doesn't bond. Those are what you call local industrial revenue bonds. They're usually tax exempt. And you usually have a bank or a big bank bid on it to manage the paying the interest to the bondholders. And they can call a bond in, and if you call a bond, they won't cash it out and pay approving interest So we had we Holding bond system, one bank and actually Lexington, France. And so I thought we were going to make a killing with it. And I thought all these community banks could compete with the big banks on managing bonds and get to the marketplace and just can't sell. It. I mean, it just, you know, that probably lack of market focus. We should have done a little more study on the market. I was just around this one client said, I need to make a killing with it. So, like Yeah, the biz has got a lot of competition, man. There's lots of accounting systems out there, and obviously into being the big one. So there's lots of competition. You just got to figure out, I think we've got a better mousetrap, but we can't, it's going to be tough to compete head on with them, even though we got a better mousetrap. They've got ads on TV now that are pretty good ads. we got to have a different way to get it to the marketplace. So we're trying to decide the best way to market it that we can gather some pretty good client base. I mean, all we need, if we sell a quarter of a million customers in five years, it's a half billion dollar company. it, you add it up, 250000 times $30 a month. Who's got a calculator? Somebody on their phone? multiply 250,000 times $30, tell me what the number is, 7.5 million. Seven and a half million a month, so at a 35% EBITDA, you're talking, what is that a year, 90 million a year in revenue, no, Times. I mean, you know, so it, we, we don't need a lot, we just want a little piece of it, you know, 26.5 million small businesses, right? We're not asking for a lot. We just quarter to quarters, a quarter of $250,000. So, as far as banking, there's really not any real direct competition. But there's some segmented, you know, there's some vendors that do pieces of what we do. There's nobody that does exactly what we do. So, that, you know, the banking market is just a little more a niche market, so there's not a lot of competition. It would be tough for somebody to come in and try to compete in that space now. They're just not going to do it. They're going to spend their money going after a bigger audience. Especially with the way banks were consolidating, it's not—it's not, it's not really practice to try to get into something like that. Now. That's a good question.
1: We'll do one or two more here. Uh, student asked, as a startup company, how were you able to predict your financial projections?
0: It's—it's it's difficult. I mean, the first when I did the first biz, business plan, I had revenue coming in this year, and we don't even have revenue. I mean, I, I over-predicted. That's what I was saying. You've got to test your projections once and then cut them again you know, it, it, it's just not going to work that way. It's, it's going to take longer than you anticipate, and if you, if you if you are ahead of schedule, then you're a hero. You know, you say i did a pretty good job on projecting that. But normally, the projections are very good. You can, it's easy to project expenses, right? You know what your office, how many employees you have. It's very easy to project expenses, and that's why you've got to have capital. You got to have got to assume, what if I don't get my What if I don't have any sales this year? You've got to have money to operate next year. And that's why most small, most startups don't have enough capital. And I'll say this about raising money. If you can go through an angel investor fund, but be very careful about selling equity to work, because you're going to get scouts. You're going to end up giving a lot of equity up, and you're going to have to do most of the sweat. And once that thing gets to a point, you end up with half or 30% or whatever you end up negotiating. Now, just be very careful about giving up equity too soon. Because the business is going to be on your back, not the, you know, the investors. will going to sit there and say, Where's my money? You know, where's the revenue? Well, we, we haven't hit the numbers. But we want to cut your salary in town. Right. So you've got to be very careful. A okay?
1: couple questions about. speak to how difficult it's been dealing with the different business laws, especially if you a right. regulated
0: yeah, industry the Puerto Rico is one example. They have a they have a back tax that can charge all the vendors, and it, it ranges from a set percent. And, and the vendor, after $1,500, it charged at like seven and something, or seven and a half percent. But a vendor can we had to go in there and on our accounts payable system whether to pay the bills we had to go in there and build it for Puerto Rican back tax which was pretty sophisticated but so we built it to where the banks in the U.S. can mm-hmm. it. We, we track y'all know what use tax is with use sales tax right in the U.S. if a bank if I order something from Texas and I'm in Mississippi and they ship it to me from Texas I'm supposed to if it's not charged sales tax I'm supposed to collect it percent Mississippi sales tax submitted to the state. So depending on where you're ordering, what state you're in, in Texas you may have a different rate for, you may have a city tax, a county tax, and a state tax. So our system has to crack all those different tax rates for state. It's really complicated. Belize, we can put a deal in a bank and Belize, and that's something a different on the tax side. So that's a problem with going international. We're not quite there. We're trying to stick to the South, to the Caribbean, northern part of South America. But eventually, if we get to a point where the biz will take international, that's going to be a whole new problem to deal with. that's kind of a little bit down the road.
1: We'll leave this one as the last question here. A couple students asked, What advice would you give me for starting my own business? Business plan.
0: If anybody's done a business plan, Marketing plan. I I spent a lot of time on the marketing plan and a lot of time on the on the financials. I mean, you talk to people. Go talk to me. I mean, I'll be happy to talk to you. I mean, talk to people that have done it. Find you some mentors and talk to. Them. That's kind of what the entrepreneur program here has done. Is giving you access to people and you know, people like Eric and all the people that help. I mean, it's very important. To Especially somebody in that industry, you know. That's if you want to start a restaurant business, I've always wanted to start a restaurant business, but I just, I just can't bring my wife. Says you're crazy. You no, know, you know, seriously, it's nice on the weekend. Yeah, she still said that. So, but work on your finances. That's the most critical part of it. That's where you're going to get into problems.
1: early. Any other questions for Mr. Adams? Yes.
0: No, every I mean, what I've done on my business, every my whole network is wrapped up in the business. I mean, I, I figured. I mean, other than I made, I'm not told this at once. Somebody said, "Have you ever invested?" I invested in this company that had a Cabela's like thing where you order. Somebody else's okay. <laughs> share with our employees, got, we've got a phone the school, tell them to share, you know, everybody's got to, got to share, it, you know. and I don't really have any plans to, to get out of it, what am I going to do, play golf every day, be kind of boring, you know, fishing every day, scoop it up every day, I wouldn't have that pursuit me, so, yeah, think I'm crazy, really think I'm crazy, Anyway, it's been great being here, guys. Very, very good.